Okay, welcome back to the Golf Preview Podcast on RJ Bell's Dream Preview. My name is Will Doctor, joined alongside James Ledbetter. Uh, we have an unbelievable show for you today. We're going to start it off with uh, some of our winners from the BMW Championship. Uh, we will then give an overview of the beautiful Eastlake Golf Club, which is the host to the PGA Tour's final event this year. Um, a little bit of a different betting format we have this week because of the staggered leaderboard to begin the tournament. So we will be betting according to how players finish in the FedEx Cup standings uh, rather than they, or than how they finish um, in the actual event. So we will explain more in detail about that, but led fantastic week, um, absolutely destroying your bookmaker for the BMW Championship. Did you sleep with a smile on your face Sunday night? You know, I did. I did. Um, obviously, would have liked Bryson to have gotten it done. Uh, what an unbelievable finish. Cantlay just can't miss inside 30 feet. It was unbelievable to kind of watch that playoff. I feel like if you scripted that round 100 times, Bryson would win, you know, 99. And Cantlay, uh, you know, he was able to get it that one time. So, yeah, just kind of recapping the, you know, the week I had there. I had Dustin over John Rom plus 200 that hit, which was nice. Obviously a little risque going off, going off against the number one player in the world. But, you know, we just like DJ at those odds. Um, I had Shane Lowry over Joaquin Neiman at plus 100 that hit. And then, uh, you know, riding DJ in the, into the top 10 at plus 200. And then rounding that out with a Bryson DeChambeau top 10 plus 200. I wish I would have sprinkled a little more um on Bryson to win but you know looking back at it I guess I wish I didn't right he uh, he wasn't able to quite pull it off but um I think he's going to be coming into this week with a vengeance and uh, some unfinished business yeah and I felt like we were really spoiled down the stretch with just how little we had to um stress uh, of what was certainly a heartbreaking week for people who had DeChambeau winning tickets but Fantastic call on the top 10 ticket there. And I certainly had uh, my legs kicked up with the, the lonely conservative Cantlay top 20 pick, um, which was my solo winner at minus 150. And uh, Cantlay, obviously insane week on the greens, picking up 16.2 strokes, by far his best four rounds of putting in his entire career. What was most impressive is just how Cantlay stayed within himself. I mean, Bry Bryson was playing a completely different golf course than him. Um, and, and he really stuck to the game plan, flat out beat him with the putter lead um, in, in what was the best duel of the season. So um, a start to finish cashing ticket there for Cantlay top 20 and, and uh, continued his great stretch um, of putting, which has really been the difference between the halfway point of the season and now for Cantlay. Yeah. And more importantly, I tied it up uh, in the DraftKings little, uh, little tournament we have going on six six i had bryson dj and rory all top tening which killer kind of, combo uh, yeah definitely a killer combo but let's get into you know that week's over we're on the next week let's get into the tour championship we had the east lake um disclaimer just want to remind guys again all of the bets we're giving out are going to be according to their fedex cup standing so you know can't lay might normally be you know let's say 20 to 1 to win a tournament this week, he's four to one, three to one, because of the fact that he's starting with that 10 shot lead over some guys and five shot lead over some people. So just so you understand, it just makes it easier for the people that bet it to understand, like, 
you know, they don't have to look at the original leaderboard for the tour championship versus the FedEx cup. We're going to go based on right when you click pjtour.com, the thing that pops up is going to let you know if your bets are doing well or not, rather than uh, going on a wild goose chase. So, you know, a little more difficult than most weeks, just looking at all these bets, just because of the fact that it's interesting to see how, how much each shot is worth, right? It's weird to see, uh, obviously, guys to win tournaments at plus 300, plus 400, plus 500, and top 10s in all those different scenarios. But, um, you know, a completely kind of uh, rare week compared to what we're used to betting the PJ Tour. But uh, I think we can find some spots to definitely take advantage. And in terms of, you know, just going over it again, it kind of reminds me of a uh, Formula One starting grid, right? We got guys, uh, we got Cantlay sitting, obviously, in pole position there. Just like Formula One, I'm not a big Formula One guy. I actually watched the Netflix documentary on it, and unbelievable, definitely so pure. And I was one of those people that was like, I'm not going to get into Formula One. But once you really kind of understand what's going on and realize they, you know, they kind of have like the NBA drama, everything kind of going on there. It is yeah, a and, uh, a fun watch. And the luxury factor of Formula One is like twice as much as the PGA Tour as far as how they travel. I mean, obviously there's some grinders out there, but yeah, incredible yeah. film there. Well, getting right into that kind of like starting grid, right? So really, realistically, you know, even Formula One, you're only really going to have a chance to win if you're starting in that top five, kind of top 10 area. And the only way those guys in the way back of the race normally have a chance to win is if there's some just catastrophic uh, crash at the start of the race. So that's what, uh, you know, guys who squeaked in like Sungjae and Sergio and P. Reed are hoping for. They're hoping for a... A big fiery crash. But uh, just in terms of going over what the leaderboard looks like, Patrick Cantlay starting at 10 under in pole position. We have Tony Finau at 8 under. We have Bryson 7 under. John Rahm 6 under. Cameron Smith 5 under. And then some notables starting a little further back. We have Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas starting at 4 under. And then we have guys like Rory and Brooks starting 8 shots back to Cantlay at 2 under par. So, you know, starting 8 shots back, obviously a lot of ground to make up to get all the way, you know, into that top spot. But I think there's some value, you know, even if you're starting eight shots back, you're only starting, you know, three shots back in that top five area. So definitely some value in that kind of top five, top 10 area where we can definitely, uh, you know, make some moves. So just kind of going into this week, we had Dustin Johnson, who's the defending championship, little, sorry, defending champion, little stat for DJ. He's now qualified for the tour championship for the 13th year in a row, which is just ridiculous consistency. I believe he has a streak going where he's one on tour every single Correct. year. So it makes Correct. sense that he's playing in a tour championship, but we've seen some guys this year win and not make it to the FedEx cup. So um, obviously just an ode to how consistent he's been over the years. Will, I just kind of want to get your thoughts. I'm just going to kind of come up with a scenario. And just talking about FedEx Cup before we really get into the golf course, I just think PJ Tour should, should kind of be treading a little lightly in terms of this system they have. I know it's exciting to have that leaderboard, but, you know, we look just back to last year where Xander Shoffley won this golf tournament by four shots and didn't win the FedEx Cup, right? So... Um, there's definitely a scenario where some guys can really get screwed over that play great golf. And it's, you know, for a guy like Xander, we don't even think about it. We were harping on him earlier in the year. Hey, when are you going to win some more? When are you going to win some more? He technically won the tour championship last year. He just started so far back. So, you know, I was like kind of going yeah. through the leaderboard and looking at a scenario where like you have a guy like uh, Joaquin Neiman, for example, right? Hasn't won on tour yet. 
let's uh, I believe he's starting somewhere in that 20, 22 area, 23 area. He can win this FedEx Cup by seven shots, okay, and not register a PJ Tour victory. You know what I'm saying? So there's definitely a little bit of weird scenarios that can happen that just seem a little fluky. And I think uh, PJ Tour needs to take a step back and, uh, you know, take a look at what's really going on here. Will, your thoughts? Yeah, well, I think they need to reassess the playoffs from start to finish. I mean, we talked about it. After the Northern Trust, guys like Tom Hoagie and Alex Norn going from like the 90s and 100s um, inside the top 70 going into the BMW. And then um, I mean, we're going to have similar stories this week, Led. Rory goes from, from 28th to 16th last week. He's right in the mix after probably one of his not great years on, on tour, but he's certainly going to be in position. Cameron Smith led. I mean, look how far he's jumped. I mean, He's, yeah. all, he's all the way up to fifth in the FedEx Cup. It's just, and he started just, so, so far back. I think, I think the, the points just carry way too much power, Lud. And I just think it's not like weighted correctly in the sense that you have a guy like Rory, for example, who's, I think he, I believe, anyways, he's starting two shots back. Sorry, he's starting eight shots back. And he's, you know, middle of the pack when it comes to FedEx Cup. Easily made it in, no issues there. Then we have a guy like P. Reed who's been dead for two weeks. Yeah. You know, thankfully, healthy back and where he's at. And he's only starting two shots back at Rory. So, in terms of the way the leaderboard stacked, obviously they want a premium on the top five and having that little differential. It seemed just a little weird. We know how one shot really isn't that big a deal. That can be one hole. So, the fact that Cantlay's only starting, you know, a couple shots ahead of some of these guys when he's dominated them seems just kind of unfair. I think my big issue with just the overall point system of the playoffs, I mean, just another example, last week, you know, Eric Van Royen's 45 in FedEx Cup, Sergio Garcia's, you know, 44th. Obviously, both great finishes last week, but I mean, Sergio, um, you know, four top tens on the year, Van Royen, five top fives on the year, including a win at, at Barracuda, which doesn't carry that much weight. You know, Max Homa certainly, I thought, had a win that was greater than 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 Van Royen's. I thought Siwoo Kim um, had definitely had a, a better year than, than Sergio and Eric Van Royen, but the points just don't align. So I, I just think the overall uh, weight of the points needs to be changed after this year. Yeah, so getting back to the golf course, uh, you know, we can't change anything. I think we're still in for a really exciting week, and I think that's one of the cool things about it is, you know, things obviously can go – we can have, you know, 15 different winners potentially. So getting back to the golf course, we're going to Eastlake Golf Club. It's a 7,300-yard par 70, recently redesigned – not recently, but, you know, redesigned by Donald Ross in the past – Lots of history here. Bobby Jones played his first and last round of golf at Eastlake, which I thought was kind of a cool nugget. But the one thing we're really looking at is we're finally playing a real golf course during the FedEx Cup. And during, I mean, it seems like it's been a couple weeks now when you look at Wyndham, you know, they obviously they go really it's, low. It, it, it's really been since Southwind at the WGC, I thought, since the last time they were at a real golf course. Case Valley was a pigeon putt. At least going into this week, we know if you shoot a 67, you're actually going to gain some strokes on the field versus, you know, before it's like you shoot 70 and you're out of the tournament. So one thing we're looking at with this golf course, you have to hit fairways to attack the pins at Eastlake. Bermuda rough there. Driving accuracy, we're really going to, you know, hone into unless you're Bryson, obviously, because he's so far up there, it really hasn't um, mattered. 
And then, yeah, it's just going to play way tougher than Cave Valley and uh, Liberty National. So I would even I wouldn't even look at those really too much when you're you know looking at past results. Obviously, you know if a guy's hitting it well or doing or putting well, we'll we'll take that into account. But um, the one thing I really want to look at, and we're going to use this as a little bit of a, you know golf seminar here, is just looking at you know Bermuda versus Bent versus all these different types of grasses and how they're going to play differently. So this week at Eastlake, we're going to have Bermuda fairways, rough and greens. So Bermuda rough doesn't need to really be this like six inch rough that you lose your ball in for it to be penalizing. It's really known as, you know, just being really thick, really tough around the greens. You'll see a lot. You'll see a lot of shots this week where if a guy slows down on it at all, that club's just going to stick in the ground, you know, and the ball's not even, you know, you're just, He's going to miss the green a couple of times. Uh, Bryson actually had that issue last week and no excuse because the grass really wasn't that hard to chip out of with all the, you know, flop shots. My little, little case of the, uh, you know, the yips going throughout the, the wedges in the bag there for Bryson. Yeah, that's one of the things too, right, is uh, the fact that you can go 27 under not chipping great yeah. is scary for the game of golf. But just in terms of the fact that, um, you know, looking at this Bermuda rough, let's just say, for example, you have a 150-yard shot, right? The way this Bermuda rough really plays, you know, if it comes out soft, that thing could come out 125. If you if it comes out really hot on you, that thing could come out 170. So, you know, obviously we all have tour caddies out here, but I think the player individually judging the lies is going to be, you know, a huge deal this week, especially when it's not the easiest course to get up and down around the green. So most importantly about everything in terms of the grasses is the, the greens, right? So we have Bermuda greens this week. I just want the listener to understand the difference between bent and Bermuda. So bent is what we played the last two weeks. Bent grass pretty much grows straight up. What you see is what you get. You got a straight putt five footer. It's a straight putt. But when we move to a Bermuda grass, which is found like in courses in the South. So uh, that's what we have this week in Atlanta. It's a Bermuda strand of grass and it grows really well in hot climate. So the thing I want to talk about is Bermuda grass adds this extra variable called grain. So grain grows in all sorts of different directions based on slope and drainage. So for example, I just want you guys to understand how different it is to putting on, you know, normal bent grass. Let's say bent grass back at Liberty national and uh, caves Valley. That's like putting on your hotel rug. Right. But when you go to this Bermuda type grass, which is normally seen through the Florida swing. And a lot of guys have obviously played on before, but you could have a five footer that has no break. And because the grain is growing a certain way, that putt can break four or five inches a certain way, just based on which the grain's going. It's almost like that game we used to play on our iPhones where we, you know, do paper toss. And instead of just tossing a, a piece of trash and trash can, now you've got like a 25 mile an hour fan off the right side that you've got to, you've got to aim for. And not only does it affect, the line of your putt, you know, even more importantly, when you have putts over 20 feet, it affects the speed. So if you have a down green 20 footer, that could play like a 15 footer. If you have an into green 20 footer, that could play like a 28 footer. So really being able to judge that. And one of the things we're going to look at, and sorry for the whole spiel, everybody, I know it got a little boring there, but in terms of one thing we're going to look at is who puts this the best and who puts this the worst. So just some notables that stand out. Um, I'm calling them our, our grain gods uh, this week for Bermuda is Sam Burns, who puts it the best. He's number one in the last 50 rounds on Bermuda greens. And then a fellow by the name of Bryson DeChambeau is number two on the list. I'm sure Bryson has some quadratic formula to unlock the perfect green read on every putt. 
And then one other notable we're looking at is Abraham Answer, who's number six in putting on Bermuda Greens in his last 50 rounds. And then some guys were not who aren't the best putters. Bottom five in the field on Bermuda are guys like Hideki, Colin, and JT. JT standing out, obviously, because he's starting in the top 10 of the FedEx Cup. Sungjae also a, a, a really nice putter on Bermuda. I was looking at I was looking at taking Hideki over Sungjae in the top Asian leaderboard, and and Sungjae just runs the party as far as uh, putting on putting putting through Graham Hideki, um, just absolutely awful on Bermuda greens. He's been really not really one of those uh, great putters on any green on any green for that matter. So, but one more thing to look at just in terms of course conditions is, will you sent me that Instagram video on Monday where they had like a borderline monsoon coming in? It was, I mean, and they must've got five inches really going to soften things up. And we're going to look at the course playing, you know, even though, what did we have it at 7,300 yards, just that little couple inches of rain, you know, that can add two, 300 yards to the golf course. Cause you're not getting that 20, 30 yards of run out on each of your shots. So, I think that's gonna favor. Obviously, if Bryson had it his way and he had the uh, the uh, you know the weather voodoo, he'd definitely be going for uh, soft conditions so he could pump out those 350 carries and uh, you know have no issues. Um, one other thing to look at, obviously, when the course plays a little softer, the fairways play a little wider because of the fact that those balls aren't bouncing through the fairways into the rough. So, you know, without further ado, let's just get into those favorites right off the bat, and. Um, we're going to mention where they're starting at because, you know, where they're starting at isn't necessarily attributed to um, what their uh, odds are. So we're starting with Patrick Cantlay starting at minus 10, the pole position man. Um, so obviously won the BMW last week to put himself in that spot. That's his third one of the year, including the Zozo and the fraudulent Memorial win when Rom had the COVID situation, had to pull out the final round with the six shot lead. Just looking at Patrick's year overall, he has 16 top 25s in 23 events, which is just remarkable consistency all year. Statistically, just looking at his game, what's not to love? He's 14th off the tee, 29th approach, and 27th in putting on the season. So really out of the three main categories we normally look at, just absolutely balling. Speaking of putting, he picked up almost 15, I believe, sorry, 16 shots in the field last week putting at the BMW. So there's sometimes you look at guys where it's like, okay, putting is starting to trend in the right direction. I'm looking at this a little bit differently. So even though he had a great week putting, I'm looking for a little bit of a putting regression this week at the East Lake at the tour championship. I think the putter is going to come back to earth. Not only, you know, obviously he had a great, he picked up 15 shots on the field. It was the second best putting uh, week in, uh, PJ tour history, I believe, but not only that, what we talked about earlier, they're changing surfaces. So, you know, before he was putting on bent, now he's putting on Bermudas. He's got to be factoring grain. I'm not saying that he can't putt well, but I just think it's realistic to see that putter kind of regress a little bit. And I just don't think that hot of a putter is sustainable. One more thing I just kind of wanted to bring in here is he would have won by 30, obviously if he struck it really well last week, putting like that, but he was 28th tee to green in only a 70 person field. So I feel like if he has something similar to that kind of mediocre ball striking week, I don't think he's really going to be able to contend or at least hold off the guys like Roms or the uh, Bryson. So I am fading Patrick Cantlay. I know it's hard to, I just don't really like the number either at plus 300. I certainly think he's, 
he he's he's showing some consistency here um, through these last seven events. I mean, he's picked up strokes um, and, and on the greens in five of the last seven events, uh, and that includes TPC Southwind at WGC, um, and, and, and where uh, that was the last um, Bermuda course that before the last two playoff events that Cantlay was at. Um, so I, I understand he did go total black. I like last week with the putter. Um, I, I do think we should give some respect to the consistency that Canley has found, um, on the greens over the last, you know, seven events. That being said, absolutely right. Led Bermuda is by far worse. Uh, Canley is worse service surface. So, uh, you know, West coast guy does not like these granny Bermuda greens. I will give that to you led. And one thing I just want to add in terms of the ball striking, Ifs and buts, Candy's nuts situation. But if if uh, if Patrick Cantlay had a mediocre putting week last week, if he gained zero strokes on the field, right, minus fifteen shots out off his <laughs> off his uh, you know ending score of twenty seven hundred twelve under, you know he finishes thirty fifth or fortieth, and we're not really too excited about the guy. So I just think like exactly what you said. I think he's going to have, you know, he had a blackout week last week. I think we should be expecting maybe a little bit of a putter hangover. But, well, let's move right into our next guy. Yeah, John Rahm uh, at plus 350 starting the week um, at six under, four shots back of the lead, and then four spots outside of first place in the FedEx Cup standing. So um, another great finish for Rahm last week at the BMW besides some um, uncharacteristically poor iron play in the final two rounds. Um, after posting 64-66 in the first two. So second week in a row that Rom hasn't quite finished what he started down the stretch. But, um, you know, if you remember, he pretty much had the Northern Trust in the bag two weeks ago before a bogey on the 15th hole at Liberty National completely threw him off his rocker. So um, thinking that this will be the first winning ticket I'm going to look at, Rom is – um, is the only player in the top three favorites that um, is picking up strokes. Two out of the top three guys that are above him, that Patrick Cantlay and Tony Finau are, are, are losing strokes on Bermuda Greens. Uh, Rom is one of those two with Bryson that obviously uh, uh, picks up shots on Bermuda Greens. Two top 10 finishes and four appearances at Eastlake, including a fourth place finish last year. So uh, let uh, I'm going to be greatly considering a, a winning Rom ticket. Yeah, so I do like Rom. I honestly think even though he's starting four back to Cantlay, he should be the favorite. Um, kind of like what you said, his bad weeks are top tens. He has 14 top tens in the year. That seems like not even human. But just in terms of looking at last week, he actually picked up six strokes on the field putting. Okay, so it wasn't like this blackout, you know, regression coming kind of putting. But he was 37th from tee to green. So, you know, very out of character week. 37th tee to green out of 70, right? So not even mediocre, yeah, right? Yeah, no, of, especially so those last two rounds, right? There's a couple guys. Um, I don't want to give too much of a hint, but there's a couple guys that putted well last week, didn't have their normal, regular, good ball striking that I'm on. And Rom is certainly one of those guys. Well, is that all we got for Rom there? All we got for Rom there. We're on to, uh, on to DeChambeau, James. Perfect. So – Hey, well, no walking while I go over this one, okay? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? So that was obviously referring to, I don't know if people weren't watching, but Bryson was over his, like, wedge shot on 16, and Cantlay was walking, and Bryson kind of pulled off the shot and was like, hey, Cantlay, stop walking. And uh, the yeah. media tried to make a big deal out of it, but it wasn't that big a deal. 
And, and I, I try to, to side with both here. You know, obviously, uh, you know, when, when there's 100,000 people watching you on the golf course, I, you know, I find it tough uh, to think that Cantley, you know, walking outside of camera view uh, really affected him. But, you know, I guess if, uh, you know, it, it's well within the rules, you know, if some, if your playing partner's walking and, you know, you don't, you, you know, need him to stop, you tell him to stop. So obviously, Media probably blown that way out of proportion. Yeah, I may ask Cantley about it. And he said, "Oh, it's no big deal." But oh, that guy—he he, he doesn't give a shit about anything. That guy. Yeah, and <laughs> that's one of those double-edged swords with Bryson, right? If you're hitting at 50 yards by people, you kind of have to let him walk up. Right? Yeah, of course. <laughs> well, um, the next thing you know, he, he complains about you know pace of play every week. So I mean, yeah, yeah. no, absolutely. All right, so Bryson DeChambeau starting at seven under par, three back at Cantley, plus 400 to win. So I had a Bryson top 10 last week. He didn't disappoint. I did uh, recommend Bryson to top 10 and win last week because I just felt like that caves alley course just gave him a little more room to drive it than Liberty national total bomb and total bomb and gals track. Absolutely. Compared to Liberty national, I think, or Eastlake. Yes. Yes. I'm still going over my head. How did Bryson lose that? I don't understand how he didn't win that golf tournament. I mean, obviously the chipping looked like he was 25 handicapper. Well, James, I, you know, I'm curious. I, I know that Bryson, you know, is quite the putter on Bermuda, but you know, obviously some sort of case of the poles down the stretch at the BMW concerned with that at all. You know what? Somewhat concerned, but he's shown that he's been able to make putts under pressure with that thing i thought i didn't think you're supposed to miss putts with the kutcher putter um anyways getting back to last week bryson picked up eight shots on the field with driving alone stats wise bryson is first off the tee and 14th in putting on the season that's one of the things i talked about i love bryson because he can win golf tournaments with two clubs bryson has eight top tens in 21 events he's played this year I think he's been a little more consistent than people give him credit for. People think he's had this like up and down year. Meanwhile, like he's almost top 10 in half the events he's played. One thing going against Bryson is he hasn't had a top 10 at Eastlake yet, but played Eastlake as new Bryson one other time, right? Um, I believe he finished 20th last year. So just looking at Eastlake, right, it's important to see how that weapon, right, as a driver is going to, you know, match up with the golf course so this course is tight but it's one of those courses where it's not like you um are having to skirt hazards and bunkers and like it wasn't like liberty national where you know a difference between having 100 yards out and being on birdie mode and you know being up against a bunker lip was like the difference of like three feet this is like a little bit more where he can just you know send it get it up there if you do have to kind of pitch it around the green because you're got it in some pine needles, it's kind of one of those, you know, Southern golf courses with some tree lined holes where you might have to hit some different shots. But uh, summarizing as a golfer from like a mental standpoint, I think it's a little easier to just absolutely let the bomb, let, you know, let the driver rip knowing that you'll be hitting the next shot with the same ball, right? It's not like you're going to be reteeing that often on a course like Eastlake. It's kind of like we talked about an old, you know, Donald Ross course where you're going to be able to, like I just said, obviously get it up next close to the green. If you hit a bad drive, you might make a bogey, but you, you know, you're not really going to have those big numbers really in play, but Bryson is picking up 20 yards on pretty much everyone in the top five in this even tournament, you know, so in the FedEx cup. So I actually think he can afford a couple misses with the driver. That's one of those things when, you know, when you're picking up 
couple shots around with the driver alone, you can afford to have a couple of those wayward ones, you know? So um, I look, I really do like Bryson this week. Honestly, I think it's going to be a, it's really about just taking down Don Rom. Like he's the other favorite that I'm, he's the only guy I'm really worried about besides Bryson. And the fact that we're getting him, sorry, besides John Rom, the fact that we're getting him at plus 400, I don't mind at all. Okay. So moving on to Tony Finau at minus eight, uh, starting the week um, at, at minus eight, uh, plus 650 uh, to win the FedEx cup and, and is in second place in those standings. Uh, you know, it, it's going to be a no fly zone for me with Tony Finau this week. It really goes back uh, to the Bermuda greens, the teeth of this golf course. And uh, you know, regardless that he has made major improvements with the putter, here over the last four events, you know, the tendency for, for Tony, uh, you know, this is his worst uh, surface to putt on on Bermuda is to lose strokes on the greens. Um, and, and, you know, that's just something that I, I don't think that you can afford this week. I don't love the odds um, at, at plus 650 to win the FedEx Cup and, and really, you know, nothing to worth to look at in, in the top 10 section. Um, so, Led, I'm off Tony this week. Not sure if you have any notes about that. Yeah, so, you know, my thoughts on Tony, he was a very similar guy to Rom. As we know, you know, one of the elite ball strikers on tour, when he's on, it's like he can't miss with the uh, with the big clubs, at least. Um, obviously, the putter is one thing we worry about, like you, like you previously mentioned. He actually was sixth in putting last week. And another guy who just kind of had an out-of-character ball striking week, 45th in ball striking out of, uh, out of 70. So, Rom and Finau are kind of my two guys that if they get – back to their you know normal ball striking and keep the putter going you know they really should be right in there late on Sunday for me though I'm very similar thoughts um as you doc if Tony had a seven footer to win the FedEx cup I don't know if I love that plus 650 you know what I'm saying so um I'm not on Tony this week but you know let's just move into our next guy Justin Thomas He's 15 to one. He's starting at four under par six back at Cantlay. He finished at 14 under par last week, tied 22nd, you know, had a nice uh, final round 60, 66, I believe um, to, you know, make up a little, little backdoor top 25 there. But, you know, another guy who's been kind of, it's weird. It's like, it's something different every week. Uh, It was a subpar week for uh, ball striking last week. And he lost two strokes putting. So it looks like the uh, little AJGA tip uh, hasn't really been able to keep going. And that's one of the things Justin's kind of been dealing with all year. Besides the win at the players, it's just kind of been a bit of a roller coaster year. And my thought process on him, the only thing I like about Justin Thomas is the fact that he hasn't finished worse than seventh at Eastlake in the last five years. To top that off with the putting and in specific, a couple of his events, um, on Bermuda, you know, the Vallis bar lost almost six and a half strokes on the greens. Um, and, and then WGC St. Jude at Southwind uh, lost almost five strokes on the green. So uh, it, it's obviously been a, a struggle on Bermuda for JT this year. That's the issue is if there was one part of his game I'm worried about, then, you know, maybe he can get the putter going. Like we talked about a couple of times here. If he gets the putter going, I'll be fine. But I just don't think he's really driven it uh consistently enough to warrant you know a pick in this in this tournament um we talked about east like you're gonna have to hit fairways you can't be coming out of the rough 
from 125, not knowing if it's going to go 95 or 150. That's literally how crazy you can get with some of these inconsistent Bermuda rough lies. So he's 177th on tour, averaging just over half the fairway. So, you know, even if he has a decent driving week, realistically, he's going to have to be playing from the rough, you know, five, six times around. He has finished 26th or better in five of his last six events. The lack of fairways hasn't really allowed him, you know, even though he's finished in the top 25, he hasn't ran evil. He hasn't been able to really get inside that top five and contend for these tournaments. As we know, the tour championship, best of the best. I just don't think with two thirds of his game really kind of being inconsistent and us not knowing it's going to show up. I don't really like him at uh, on, you know, in, in, in any plays this week. I'm off of him as well, and, and we'll move on to uh, Dustin Johnson um, at 18 to 1. We'll start at three under um, and T 11th, seven, seven shots uh, uh, behind the leader and 15th in the FedEx Cup standings. And what a simply beautiful ticket that led cashed uh, last week on a little backdoor Dustin Johnson top 10. Uh, rose four shots in the final round um, of the BMW with that Sunday 66. So, uh, and, and that was huge, you know, for, for DJ to go from 22nd to 15 in the rankings, um, you know, at least giving himself maybe half a hope uh, to take home uh, the FedEx cup. And he is very familiar with success um, around Eastlake, obviously took home the trophy, took home the FedEx cup uh, trophy last year. Uh, but it's interesting He's never really blown it out of the water on the greens at Eastlake, regardless of four top 10 finishes here since 2015. Uh, he's lost shots on the greens to the field here in all but two of those events. So um, I, I don't feel like you're going to find many players um, here who have played well without putting at least halfway decent. Uh, but if there's, you know, if there's anyone that's going to do it, it's not surprising that uh, DJ has ball struck his way to success around this course and he's starting this tournament off in a place that I like uh, from an odds perspective. Um, I'll certainly be eyeing down that Dustin Johnson top 10 finish in the FedEx cup standing since, um, you know, as of late DJ has been rolling extremely well um, has picked up almost two and a half strokes on the greens in his last five events. So uh, I, I feel that, you know, he's absolutely one of those players coming from behind in the tour championship that just has absolutely nothing to lose. Dustin, if he finishes fourth or 26, I don't think he's really too concerned about it. There's some guys who are really almost trying to add 25% of their career earnings potentially, or, you know, really trying to look, look forward to a big week. Dustin on this course has been great. And I just think he's one of the, there's a couple guys that are sitting back, kind of sitting back at the bushes, you know, snake in the grass kind of situation that I think can jump up and dust. Well, we'll show that with a couple of our plays later on, you know, like you talked about with the top 10 and stuff like that. Moving into our next guy, we have Cameron Smith starting at five under par. He's 22 to one to win the FedEx cup. Now he could, he certainly could have won the Northern trust two weeks ago, obviously hit it OB in the playoff, but that was almost a microcosm. It was what he was dealing with the entire round. I mean, he was just all over the lot and was just, you know, getting up and down from everywhere um obviously a tough way to kind of just hand tony that tournament um but you know realistically he's been playing great um not only did he have kind of a catastrophic finish at the liberty national he also had the ridiculous double bogey finish at the saint jude that's the wgc there so he does have two top fives in his last three starts but 
you know, what it really comes down to is matching him up with this golf course. One of the things you would say if it stands out is not the best in terms of hitting fairways. You know, we've seen some crazy pro tracers uh, <laughs> over the years watching Cam Smith swing it. You know, he gets has a tendency to get a little, lo- a little long and loose with the backswing. And what's interesting enough is even with that kind of, I wouldn't say John Daly, but I definitely uh, would say he's, uh, you know, a bit of an overswinger. He's only 90. It's not like he's really that long either. He's 94th in driving distance and 121st in driving accuracy. So even though he is the the ninth best putter on tour, I don't think he's going to hit enough fairways, which means he's not going to be able to hit it close enough to even take advantage of that putter. Um, I know he is known as being able to um, score no matter the circumstances, um, but you know, starting five shots back with all the names in front of him. I just, I do not like him this week. Another thing to look at is he's never finished inside the top 20 in the tour championship. So I am off cam uh, Smith this week, moving into uh, a familiar face. Jordan Spieth starting the, uh, what Jordan Spieth 22 to one uh, starting at four under. And, and the first thing uh, that strikes me with Spieth at Eastlake is how well um, you know, he has putted here, uh, regardless of the ebbs and flows in his game that he went through in 2019, 2020, um, you know, regardless of choppy play in 2019, I mean, the biggest slump of his career, he ended up finish, f- finishing seventh here. Um, and, and of course, Spieth won this event back in 2015, um, when, you know, he was kind of appearing on the scene as the greatest thing since Tiger Woods. Um, here's the problem, Led. Uh, you know, you made a fantastic point a couple weeks ago um, about the concern that Jordan Spieth had only played one tournament uh, between the Open and the first event of the playoffs. And uh, if you, it, you know, for, for the listeners that, you know, want a more specific time frame on that, he played one event in a five-week period before the playoffs. So you just don't see that happen in other sports before the playoffs. Although, you know, the NBA, you know, seriously looks like it's headed in that direction um, with all the load management bull crap that goes on, but, but no, listen, <laughs> the, the big right miss with the driver led for Spieth is fully back. I mean, he, he <laughs> has lost a full shot to the field off the team. His last five events, a shot and a half at the BMW five and a half, um, at the Northern Trust, and then another shot and a half lost off the tee um, at, at the FedEx St. Jude. So, you know, I, I know I've said in the past couple episodes, you know, I'm way, I was waiting for Spieth to peak here um, at Eastlake, but I'm, I'm truly not convinced it's going to happen. I mean, too many um, aspects of his game um, are off. You know, he, he even lost strokes to the field with his irons in two of his last three events. So, um, you know, I'll be looking to fade my favorite golfer on the PGA tour this week. I'm, you know, I'm sorry, Spieth, um, you know, money talks and I, I, I got to go the other way. Yeah. And I'm completely on board with that take as well. Like we talked about, we need to hit some fairways this week. The only guy we're not worried about hitting every fairway is Bryson because he's greenside borderline, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, somewhat sarcastic there, but speaking of fairways, we move right into my guy, Abraham answer. He's 25 to one. He's starting at four under just looking at his stats, 22nd off the tee, 25th approach, 29th putting. So, you know, kind of in that can't lay range and just all around consistency. He's the sixth most accurate driver on the PGA tour, which I absolutely love this week for Eastlake. You have to hit fairways and he's proven he can. His last three starts are a win in Memphis at the WGC 
a 64th in the Northern Trust, and a top 10 last week at the BMW, where he shot a final round 71. And, you know, realistically looking at what the, you know, scoring average was and stuff like that, if that's a 67, you know, he's kind of right in there in, in terms of a top five. And we were looking at that week like, wow, he's really trending in the right direction. You know, even I'm sure he's kicking himself a little bit. If he could have had a little better final round, he'd maybe only be starting three back versus six back. That's really what it comes down to with his FedEx Cup is a couple of these guys that are starting, you know, way back there. Now, obviously, if Cantlay picks up 15, uh, 15, 16 shots with the putter again, this is just not even going to be too enjoyable. But I think the fact that, like we talked about, it being a Formula One race, we need a couple crashes at the top to be able to let these guys, you know, uh, sitting a little further back to give them a chance. So statistically, Abraham answer, like we talked about earlier, number six in the field, putting on Bermuda greens. So he just has a lot of things that we talked about, fairways, good putter on the surfaces. So I do like answer this week for a bit of a long shot win, 25 to one. He'd be looking good winning a uh, FedEx Cup. I can't quite see it in my brain yet, but at that number, and I just, I do really like that as uh, my bit of my uh, dark horse pick for sure. On to Xander Shoffley um, at 25 to one, starting the week at minus two. Uh, you know, Xander has lost a substantial amount of ground in the FedEx Cup playoff race. You know, people say, well, you know, he was a gold medalist. Well, unfortunately, it doesn't count for absolutely anything. You know, the gold medal at the Olympics is one of those things where, you know, the amount of energy sacrificed to win the thing. Um, has greatly affected Xander in every event since he's played um, following the Olympics. And, and the numbers have backed that up. Lost two, uh, an average of two shots off the tee in, th- in, in, in his last three events. Um, you know, he, he is not recovering from the errant um, approach shots well at all, has lost um, shots in the strokes game around the greens category in five of his last seven events. Um, and, and now all of a sudden, you know, he's really not putting worth a damn, um, has lost um, over a shot on the greens in three of his last five events. So that being said, though, uh, Xander has had great success at Eastlake um, the past two years, especially on the greens. Um, in 2020, he came in second place um, after, you know, e- even losing about a shot and a half with his approach shots. Uh, but picked up about seven shots on the green in 2020. Yeah, and like you talked about, that's one of the reasons I do not like Xander this week. Xander won this event by three shots last year and didn't win the FedEx Cup. So starting eight shots back, I mean, he'd have to win the tournament back-to-back years, this year being even a, a tougher challenge. And, you know, if you look at really recent play, he shot two over on the weekend uh, last week at the BMW, like you said. So um, I just you know, eh, don't know if I really like Xander, but. Yeah, I, I'm in the same boat. You know, I think the big question is, you know, do you look at how he's done at Eastlake in the past or do you, do you look at more recent results? And you know, I'm with you. I'm looking at more recent results. Um, you know, starting this tournament T16 at minus two and, and rank 17 in FedEx Cup standings, you know, the odds for his top 10 tickets minus 125, just really not appealing um, at all. So, no Xander for me this week, staying away from him this week, Led. Yeah, so let's just move right into those head-to-heads. Um, I'll go over mine. I'm, I have Bryson DeChambeau over Patrick Cantlay plus 140. Bryson is starting three shots back, but I just trust Bryson's driver more than I trust Cantlay's putter, and that's pretty much what it boils down to. 
My other head-to-head is going to be Rory McIlroy over Jordan Spieth, plus 100. Rory's going to be starting two shots back. And it's a very similar thing. I just, I really like Rory and Bryson's, their abilities to drive the golf ball versus uh, the latter in both those matchups. Um, and I just don't think Spieth has shown enough form as of late to warrant a, I can just really see it in my head kind of happening. Rory kind of coming out of the snake in the grass. I Rory see it, lad. Yeah. I see so it. For my head to head recap, Bryson DeChambeau over Patrick Cantlay plus 140 and Rory McIlroy over Jordan Spieth plus 100. Okay. And I have um, one head to head for you here this week. It is Sam Burns over Jordan Spieth at plus 115. And, you know, th- this is a pretty much a mono mono matchup um, in, in, in the aspect of where these two start in FedEx Cup rankings. Spieth's going to start at nine. Uh, Burns will start at 10. Uh, but Spieth and Burns headed to- two totally different opposite directions. Um, you know, I told you in the favorites about how off, you know, the, the game is for Spieth at the moment. Um, and, and, you know, a quick, just one more quick note on that. You know, I was telling Led earlier this week, you know, Spieth should have totally played the Wyndham Championship in North Carolina the week before the playoff started. Um, you know, Sedgefield is a course that he had success on. It would have been a great prep event. I think he looks back at that event after the year um, and says, you know, definitely should have played in that instead almost took four weeks off and now going backwards. But Sam Burns, on the other hand, full steam ahead, picked up almost, um, you know, 3.8 shots from Tita green over the last uh, five events and getting about two shots on the field on the greens um, in his last 10 events with the ex- with the exception um, of the open, you know, th- these two guys, I feel like just playing for two different goals this week, Spieth, a sure lock for a Ryder cup captain's pick. Um, and, and Burns absolutely has to continue the good play this week and have a strong finish uh, in order to get order to get selected. Uh, you know, and I think huge chip on the shoulder uh, factor here. Um, you know, Burns certainly doesn't want to miss out on the Ryder cup. Uh, much like he did missing out on the Walker Cup the year he won the Nicholas Award. Um, you, you know, um, Eastlake, you know, it's the perfect final edition, audition for Burns. Um, I like this guy on the greens better than most of the favorites this week. And I've got him uh, taking down Sheriff Spieth this week. I got Sam Burns over Jordan Spieth um, at plus 115. Love it. Love it. We're on the same page. Um, I do like Sam Burns as well this week. Moving into my picks to place, Roy McIlroy, top five, plus 300. Yes, I know he's starting eight back, but he's only starting three shots back of top five. So Rory is fourth off the tee, 33rd approach, and 67th in putting on the year. Kind of sneaky good year putting for Rory. Bryson was kind of my feel kind of going into last week. I feel like he was due because, um, you know, he's just one of those guys that can kind of jump up and win. I think Rory kind of seems due going into this week. I love the uh, torrential downpour for high ball hitting Rory. You know, he's Mr. All carry as long as, as well as Bryson is as well. Kind of like what we said, it's when you just look at it, you're like, Oh my God, eight back. He's got no chance to win the FedEx cup. But like I said, he's only starting three back of the top five. And I just think he's one of those guys snakes in the grass. That's a can go out out there and shoot 61, 62, any day of the week. And he's like, yes, yes. And even looking at, you know, maybe Rory uh, first round, um, first round leader. I like a lot. We'll have to find the odds on that, but I love Rory just, you know, coming out hot. He's another guy. 
what do you sign a hundred million uh hundred million dollar deal with uh nike i don't think he worried about if he finishes uh 17th or fourth so um i think he's gonna you know all gas no breaks this week he's won this fedex cup twice right so he he obviously likes the golf course enough to uh, to uh to be able to compete here so um so rory mcelroy top five plus 300 then I have Dustin Johnson, top five, plus 300. Another guy, just so much firepower sitting back there. Defending champion of the FedEx Cup, obviously. Coming off a tied sixth last week at the BMW. And he's finishing the top 10 in three of his last five starts. I love those two guys just sitting back, getting ready to go. So I have uh, Rory, top five, plus 300. DJ, top five, plus 300. My next one is Sam Burns, top five, plus 550. Will, like you kind of talked about, obviously a little bit of a Ryder Cup narrative. He's 16th in the Ryder Cup rankings. Obviously needs a good week to uh, catch Stricker's eyes. He's the best Bermuda putter in the field, which I love. His last three starts are a second place in Memphis, a 21st in the Northern Trust, and an eighth place in the BMW. Obviously kind of trending in the right direction. And sitting in that 10th spot, sneaky, only one shot back of fifth place. Okay, so even though obviously he has a couple guys ahead of him ranking, he only has one shot to make up to get in that top five. And I just love that value at plus 550 Sam Burns top five. And then for my last one, we're going with a little bit of a guy who kind of snuck in here. Sergio top 10 plus 500. I like Sergio this week because it's what we talked about. Got to hit fairways and he's the best driver to do it in the last 20 years, realistically, in terms of longevity. When you have these guys like we have like uh Adam Scott or these like perennial good players for like 20 years when they, you know, they might come up for, you know, they might have a kid and then they come and come back, you know, and then they start playing. Name, again. name the and kid then, after the winning event. Yes. But I'm saying when these guys who are in the latter part of their careers, they normally get on a little bit of runs, right. In terms of the fact where, you know, you'll see these guys, uh, you know, they'll take, three, four months off for injury, kind of hang out with the family, and then they'll get it rolling again. So Sergio, another guy, absolutely nothing to lose. His stats from the week, last week in particular at the BMW, is fourth in fairways, second in greens, eighth in putting. And like we talked about, absolute, just unreal driver of the golf ball. He's finished in the top 26 in seven of his last eight events. So he's really just looking out for that breakout event where you can just, you know, get it rolling. And like I said, playing with house money this week, starting so far back, he'll be in attack mode. So my, my four picks to place Sergio top 10 plus 500 Sam Burns, top five plus five fifty, Dustin Johnson, top five plus 300 and Rory McIlroy top five plus 300. And my solo uh, pick to place this week is Scotty Scheffler top 10 uh, plus 250. I'll have another for you in my best bet, but th- this pick to play Scotty Scheffler top 10 plus 250. So there might not be um, another player that, that I've won more with this year than Scotty Scheffler besides that heartbreaking um, head-to-head defeat against Victor Hovland that saw Scheffler lose by one. Uh, but we're back here with Scheffler who won, um, you know, one of the best college events in the nation uh, here at the East Lake. Um, at the East Lake Cup uh, back here in 2016, shot a final round 66 here um, to win by two when he was at the University of Texas. Um, now the the, the ticket um, is a borderline dark horse with with just how much Scheffler uh, has to climb. Um, but you know I, I I make a point here with his previous success 
at East Lake. This guy just knows how to win here. So to top that off, you know, has performed well um, on the big stages throughout the year, like we've talked about. Um, Bermuda grass is Scheffler's best uh, putting surface, and it's not even close. So um, after a couple events of losing strokes on the greens, it will be nice for Scheffler um, to get back on a surface where he's a little more comfortable. Uh, besides his success at Eastlake in college, he finished fifth year um, last year while, while losing two strokes on the green. So another guy pretty much ball struck, struck his way around this track last year. And, and much like Sam Burns, Scotty Scheffler has to be getting Steve Strigger's attention for that final chance to get a Ryder Cup spot. So uh, my uh, first pick to place here is Scotty Scheffler, top 10 um, at plus 250. So then moving into my dark horse, I know I previously mentioned it. It's Abraham Answer, 25 to 1 to win the whole dang thing. Sixth most accurate driver on tour. Great putter on Bermuda Greens. And, you know, I just think he's a guy who uh, doesn't blow you away distance-wise or anything, but has really shown every aspect of his game is, you know, firing all cylinders. And uh, I think it was a big deal for him to obviously get the monkey off the back with the win uh, at the WGC in one of the best fields of the year. And, you know, just kind of looking at it, final round 71 last week, it really could have been a you know, great week for him and uh, obviously a lot to prove. So Abraham answered 25 to one to win the whole dang thing for my dark horse. So on to, to, to my dark horse, Sung J.M., top rest of the world category at plus 550 it should say in your books top pick to place for the rest of the world so mine is sung jm top rest of the world category at plus 550 so uh back on sung jay this week after successfully fading him at the fedex cup saint jude a couple weeks ago um now this guy still hasn't taken a week off since the olympics uh this will be his fifth straight event in a row much like it will be for many players um, who have played through the playoffs and then the Wyndham and the FedEx Cup. Uh, but this is likely Sung JM, Sung JM's last event uh, before going into the military for two years. So Sung Jay will need to jump Abe Answer and Cam Smith in the FedEx Cup standings in order to win this ticket. Um, and, and I, you know, trending in a great direction, finished third at the BMW last week. Um, and, and it's interesting to look at Sung JM's last two years at Eastlake because uh, he hasn't struck the ball great, but has putted well, picked up over seven shots on the greens here at Eastlake when he finished 19th here um, in 2019. So has been a very consistent ball striker all year long. And Bermuda is his best putting surface by a mile. He picks up um, almost half a shot um, every time he tees it up on Bermuda green. So, I'm looking to see, you know, if Sung Jay can have that great week and pass up Abe and Cam before he ships off to military. So my dark horse is Sung JM, top rest of the world to finish at plus 550. Yeah, and then moving straight into my main pick to win, I do like Bryson plus 400, starting three strokes back. I just think he's playing well, obviously, as of recent. He's obviously the best driver on tour. And I think it's one of those things where, if Cantlay falters at all, it's pretty much him versus Rom of what it really feels like, what it's going to come down to. 
and just in terms of the way the whole PGA Tour is working this week, they're, you know, they're tossing people out if they yell Brooksy. I think the tour wants Bryson, um, you know, to be there late on Sunday because of the spectacle that he's been as of late. I was. Where's Brooks been? You know? Yeah, exactly. And we were talking about, you know, obviously this isn't Tiger Woods, but, you know, he's doing a pretty good job of carrying the torch um, just from an excitement standpoint. Every time I remember they, we saw that clip uh, that was, you know, driver, uh, his caddy handed him iron, everybody started booing him, and then he pulled the driver out, and everybody went absolutely nuts. Like modern day uh, <laughs> Happy Gilmore here. But just in terms of, you know, I keep harping on it, he can win this golf tournament with two clubs alone. So, that's, you know, obviously a nice thing to have. I just think really what it comes down to is can he uh, take down Mr. Rom? And I think he can. So on to my uh, pick to win John Rom plus 350. Now, I, I'm not I'm not only taking this with the confidence that John Rom's going to win the FedEx Cup, but I, I truly think he wins this golf tournament. You know, I talk about all these guys trending, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I talked about you know, Sungjae, but no one else, um, you know, ha- has knocked on that winning door um, harder than John Rahm the past couple of weeks. You know, three top five finishes in a row before finishing ninth last week at the BMW, um, you know, picking up an average of 2.8 strokes on the green in his last five events. Um, and he has had a share of the lead at some point in the last two events. So um, I love that he's kind of, he's starting this event four shots back of the lead um, with hopefully that, you know, nothing to lose mindset. So uh, my pick to win the FedEx cup is John Rahm at, at plus three fifty. Yeah. Well, let's just move straight into those DraftKings lineups. Uh, you know, we're tied at six to six. Well, this will, you know, obviously cap off the season to see uh, who has to buy the other one a beer or, or something, but um, yeah. I was able to level it up last week to even give me a chance. So might as well go all out, go all out here. My lineup consists of I'm going Bryson DeChambeau, going John Rom, Sergio Garcia, Sam Burns, Daniel Berger, and Evan Van Royn. And I'm going up against um, I'm going up against Led here with John Rom, uh, Rory McIlroy, Sung J M, Kevin Na, Patrick Reed. Um, and Sam Burns and and we're 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 uh, we're all tied up here six six in our showdown. So uh, you know we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, certainly, you know the end of the tour year, but certainly probably not the end for us as we have the Ryder Cup here in a couple of weeks, and then the tour starts back up in like three weeks. So I'm getting excited for the live betting of the Ryder Cup. I know oh, that's going to be. I better have my internet at five bars for that. (laughs) Last but not least, for the best bet, I'm taking John Rahm over Patrick Cantlay, minus 105. Yes, Cantlay is starting with a four-shot lead, but I'm taking ball striking over putting every day of the week. John Rahm has shown over the last couple weeks and months really how consistent he's been. And one of the things we looked at is I just think Cantlay is going to have a regression with the putter. So I'm taking John Rahm over Patrick Cantlay, minus 105.